So as I said, I had been processing the last couple days, everything that went on this past week. And some of you were involved in, in, in large ways, some in small ways, everyone was involved in, in a variety of ways, but it was just this, this amazing experience, at least for me. I want to begin by sharing this quote from a writer named um, Christopher Wright, because in many ways he gets to this, this uh, vision of everything we do matters, everything we do counts, and here's what he has to say. What you do in the present, by painting, preaching, singing, praying, teaching, building hospitals, digging wells, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbor as yourself, will last into God's future. These activities are not simply ways of making the present life a little less beastly, a little more bearable, until the day when we leave it all together. They are part of what we may call building God's kingdom. And I think that's key because this is really the gospel. This is really the good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. It is nearby. It is within reach. Jesus' life and ministry, his teachings and his stories were all manifestations of outworkings, examples, pictures, and images of what the kingdom of God looked like and what it was all about. What Claire read from Luke chapter 9, the previous verses, in fact, begin this way. When the apostles returned, they described for Jesus, verse 10, what they had done. Taking them with him, Jesus withdrew privately to a city called Bethsaida. And when the crowds figured out, they followed him, and he welcomed them, that is Jesus, and he spoke to them about God's kingdom, and he healed those who were sick. Jesus was constantly speaking about God's kingdom. He was constantly teaching. He was constantly telling stories, and he was doing acts, and he was engaged in in ministry that represented that God's kingdom is about wholeness. God's kingdom is about abundance. The kingdom of God is a different way to live under a different kind of ruler and reign, to live under the rule and reign of God in the way of Jesus. It's a life marked by love and reconciliation. It's emptying our life and our own personal self-interest and serving others. It's It's a way of life marked by attentiveness to those on the margins, those who are often forgotten. I I so appreciate Gay standing up and sharing this this request from Al Wayne. So many people in our society and in our communities and even in our own faith communities can sometimes feel forgotten, even though they aren't, they may feel it. Some people are invisible sometimes and we walk by them and we don't see them and they don't feel seen. The kingdom of God is about that. It's a way of life rooted in trusting relationship with God that yields fruit and peace in our life. Ultimately, the way to live life is living well, and that is life in the kingdom. So this is what Jesus was all about. This is what he talked about. This was his message. The kingdom of God is at hand. God's way of abundance and life is within reach. It is here. Now, the camp out for hunger for food drive, or the, the camp out for hunger food drive, let's talk about that, was the kingdom of God. It was the kingdom of God at hand this past week. It had all the marks of the kingdom of God from how it started and how it ended. Now, there are other things, don't get me wrong, but I just want to kind of highlight this for a moment to sort of use it as a life illustration. It began 
A few weeks ago, as a leading, some of you may remember, Eddie Solomon uh, was sitting right over there, and he shared after the funeral of the young man at Southwest High School how he and Kathy were struck by the fact that there was not only hunger within the school itself, students would come to school hungry, that there was hunger within our own community, that there's such a thing as, as, as hunger deserts and, and scarcity right where we live, within the pockets. It may not be at your house, it may not be two houses over, but it's real and it's here and it's in various places. And he was struck by that and he raised his concern, as well he should. It was on his heart. Quakers often spoke concerns in meeting for worship and raised, and that's how they became involved in bringing relief to society. That's how they became involved in some great ventures. And so out of that concern, Dave took that mustard seed, and I use that term intentionally. He took that mustard seed of a concern, and he nurtured it, and he cultivated it, and he shared his leading. Now, I have to be honest with you. Dave isn't here to defend himself, but every time I get a text from Dave now that says, I have an idea, I take a deep breath. It's not going to be small. It's going to be big, like walking to Washington, D.C., or like this. And that's okay, and that's good. So he tells me about this experience in Pennsylvania where he and Kat have come from, of these DJs that do this thing, the same thing, except on a much bigger scale. They do it all week. He says, how about we do this here? And I said, I think it's a great idea if you want to run with it. He brings it to monthly meeting for worship. We get shared. It gets approved, affirmed, and blessed. And so it starts Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. each day. Started out as a 2,500-pound goal. And we got a good start with some good folks who donated some um, significant amounts right away. So that's a good way to get it going. Kind of gave some momentum up the hill, if you will. But pretty soon we began to realize, you know, 2,500 is going to be an easy. This is like a slant. This is like a layup. This is going to be an easy reach. So we began talking about the next goal, which was 5,000. Of course, you know what we came up with that to get to that 5,000 was the whole tacky suit thing. And that will happen, folks. I'm a man of my word. I'm a man of my word. <laughs> December 17th, you will see it because I am here. Um, uh, Carrie is going to be singing that Sunday. And I knew she needed something to augment her singing on that Sunday. <laughs> or distract. All kidding aside, all in fun, we reached that 5,000 goal. Next thing we began to talk about was, you think 7,500? Do you think? And all of a sudden, there we were, right on the cusp, right on the verge. Started with nothing, 7,500 pounds of food. Dean will be here Tuesday night to give her report, but all I know from what I saw on Facebook, they fed about 45 families on Saturday. 45 families in this area. And now she's got 7,500 pounds of food that she has to begin to distribute to these folks. All through the week, there were those who contributed time, food, presence, encouragement, laughs, finances, expertise to make it happen. It just wasn't about one person or one church. It was about a community of people serving out of their abundance in order to help alleviate the needs of those who live in scarcity. And when you keep the kingdom of God at a theoretical and intellectual level, it eventually becomes nothing more than some kind of sterile and religiously romantic idea. But when you make the kingdom of God come alive, when it is enfleshed in human love and action, lives are transformed. And the world is made a better place. And it's made a better place because people are served and they flourish and they begin to realize that they are cared for and they're loved.
Now, I want to just shift a few moments on some lessons I learned from both last week and both from this passage, because I began to have this passage kind of rustle around in my soul as this food drive began to take shape. And I thought, well, the goal is 5,000. Jesus fed 5,000. This seems like a fairly biblical experience. Then we went to 7,500, and I got a little cocky, and I thought, well, we got 7,500 pounds. Jesus only fed 5,000. Get your game on, Jesus. But I didn't say that, (laughs) because he did have a lot of leftovers. That's right. But I began to see some parallels there. And this is what I learned from these two food drives, Jesus' food drive and ours. First, start with what you have, not with what you don't have. In the story that Claire read, disciples had no more than five loaves and two fishes for 5,000 people. And so they're kind of stunned. What are we going to feed them with, Jesus? We've got 5,000 people. We don't know what to do. And he says, what do you got? Well, we got five loaves and two fishes. And probably a little boy who doesn't want to let go of it, but we got five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus says, you know what? That's good. Let's go with that. And out of that came what they eventually fed 5,000 people. So what's at stake here. It's this. Jesus simply told them to use what they already had rather than go out and find something. We often focus on what we don't have or can't do rather than simply offering to God what we do have and already possess. I hear a lot of I can'ts from people. I can't do this because I don't have this. I can't do this because I'm not gifted in this. I hear it from churches. We can't do this because we don't have this. We can't do this because we don't have this. We're too small. We don't have enough people. We don't have enough volunteers. God says, start with what you have and give it to God and it will go somewhere. Which is the second thing. Offer who you are and what you do have for God's kingdom and it will be multiplied. The disciples offered their five loaves and two fishes, and Jesus multiplied their efforts and their resources, and it went a long way. And our stuff literally multiplied. As I said, it went from zero to 2,500 to 5,000 to 7,500. It literally multiplied. But not only was the food multiplied, by the way, energy was multiplied. Joy was multiplied. Creativity was multiplied generosity was multiplied. I had people out of state wanting to send me money, and they did send us money. There's still going to be money coming in that I know people, money hasn't arrived yet. We're still going to go out, and we're still going to go buy food, and we're still going to take it down to -to hand-to-hand pantry, and we're still going to be feeding people. Everything good multiplies when you simply give God what you have, and you allow God to bless it in a way that serves the kingdom. The third thing I began to recognize is this, and this is what's significant about the story. When Jesus blessed the loaves and the fishes, and when everything was all ready to be given out, who did the handing out? Well, it wasn't Jesus. It was the disciples. And one thing I noticed about that is there wasn't a single disciple named. It was just the disciples. Which, as I began to wrestle with that, I began to realize it really doesn't matter who gets the recognition. It just really matters that it gets done. It doesn't matter whose name is up front. It just matters that the disciples of God's kingdom take and they dispense what God has blessed and what God has given, and we dispense it out and we give it away. We are dispensers of grace. Every time we give out of what God has given and done for us for the benefit of others, it doesn't matter who gets the recognition. Ultimately, it doesn't even matter if Deep River Friends gets the recognition. 
It was great to get that because it generated, it generated support, it generated generosity, and people began to see that. And we had people who stopped by and said, we saw it in the newspaper, so we came by. That's great. But ultimately, what matters here in this community, there's not a single person that comes for food and asks, well, who gave this? A single person who asks, well, was this from Deep River Fringe, or was this from Parkwood Baptist, or was this from Turner's Chapel? What they know is now they have something to eat. And that's what matters the most, friends. To live from abundance is to live from a place of saying it doesn't matter who gets the credit. What matters, to very, put it very simply, is that God's kingdom gets the glory. And God's kingdom gets the recognition. And God's kingdom gets the chance to do something good and multiply. Philip Yancey writes this, Grace dispensers give out of their own bounty in gratitude for what we have received from God. We serve others not with some hidden scheme of making converts, but rather to contribute to the common good to help humans flourish as God intended. And then the last thing I would say is this, the lesson I learned. When we live from this place of abundance, there is enough. We always find. And it inspires creativity and it inspires sharing. Lynn Twist uh, wrote a book called The Soul of Money. And in her book, she identifies three myths about scarcity, three false ideas that float around about scarcity that are pervasive in our, in our society. The one she, one, she says, is more is better. Assumes that people with less are less and can be discounted, and people with more are more important. That's one myth. The second myth is there's not enough. And so we compete, we grab, and we hoard because we think there's not enough to go around. If you don't think that's true, wait till the doors open up on Black Friday, and that one doll has to be bought. That one video game has to be bought. You would think that if a person didn't have this, their soul is at stake. And then the third myth, she says, is that we accept things just the way they are. It can't be changed. It can't be fixed. It can't be transformed. She says that's a myth. She says, reality, there is enough for everyone. She says, there is enough for everyone to have to share, and she says, and we don't have to accept things just the way they are. They can be changed, and a difference can be made. And you can go from zero to 7,500 in one week in whatever way you want to do that in your life or with others. If you look in your bulletin, there's a passage on the right-hand side under Thoughts for Reflection. It's out of Acts 4, verses 32 and 33. The community of believers was one in heart and mind. None of them would say, this is mine, about any of their possessions, but held everything in common. And the apostles continued to bear powerful witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and an abundance of grace was at work among them all. That's where we give, is out of that abundance of grace. How God has blessed us, how God has nurtured us, how God has provided for us, whether it's our congregation, whether it's our meeting, whether it's us individually. And it's just not always about material stuff. The food is great. Let's keep it going. But we can also be in abundance in terms of appreciation, be in abundance in terms of, of, of love for each other and care for each other, our time, our energy, whatever it is that we possess, whatever it is we have to give to do that in abundance, and not to hoard what we have. I want to close with this quote by Philip Yancey. And this kind of speaks to the myth 
that we sometimes accept things just the way they are. And here's what he writes. Jesus taught us to pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A skeptic, he writes, may scoff at such a mirage. Yet imagine for a moment, imagine this. Now I want you to imagine this while I read it. Imagine a world with no homelessness or poverty. Imagine a world with no divorces or unwanted children. Imagine no discrimination, no violence, no sexual abuse, no theft or cheating, no addictions, no abuse of the environment. A world in which government rules with justice and financial institutions operate with integrity and politicians work together for the common good. Imagine. And then he writes, that is what Jesus' followers should strive for. Christians are not wayfarers en route to the next life, but they are rather pioneers of God's kingdom in advance, a sign of what will follow. By living our lives of grace in this very spoiled environment, we point forward to a time of restoration. Well, this past week, everyone involved, and by the way, God's grace is pretty pervasive. God's grace is pretty wide because I realize something. God works through anyone and everyone. We're a Quaker meeting in the Christian tradition. But I would bet somewhere along the line there was somebody who gave food that was non-religious. There was someone who gave food that didn't go to church. There was someone who gave food that really could be even an agnostic or not knowing exactly how to believe in God. But something about compassion Something about abundance spoke to their heart, and in my mind, that is God reaching into them and that longing in all of us to give and to love and to serve. God's grace is so abundant, you cannot package it, you cannot box it up, you cannot tame it. It is wild. And if you're going to get involved with it, hang on for the ride, because God will multiply it and make a difference and change the world as it is into something that it needs to be. And this past week was a sign of things to come. This past week, God said, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is what I imagine for the world. This is my dream for creation. Enough for everybody. Everybody's fed. There is joy. There is creativity. There is inspiration. And all is good. And God is good.